Welcome everybody to episode 12, episode 1, 2, episode Dose of the Core 4 podcast. We're here. It's May 9th. We just finished a series win against the Seattle Mariners. We just finished before that a series win against the Minnesota Twins. Two of our notorious sons, our children, historically. Um... That makes what? What was that? How many games? Uh, five of two. Five. What? Five, five of two. two. Five. I, five <laughs> and two. I five and two. So we took five out of seven from the Twins and the Mariners at home in the Bronx. We had some impressive performances. We had some not so impressive performances. We had some returns. We had some actually no departures due to injury. Surprisingly, the Yankees went an entire homestand without well, losing anybody to the deal. No. Was that in this or series? Before I don't remember. I don't even that remember. Was, uh, that was what. It, it all just blurs together now. It's it's all just like one continuous. That was, yeah. uh, that was his DL placement was the fourth, so I think that was before the series. Okay. Who was, was it against? against though? What game was it? Bother me. The Twins. Oh fuck! So it was. It was so, okay, so don't listen to me. We did lose somebody to injury, James Paxton. Um, but regardless, I mean. We, you know, we're staying alive. We're keeping afloat. Next man up type deal. I mean, we've seen that the next man up thing hasn't worked as swimmingly with Jonathan Loisega as it has with someone like Gio Urshela or DJ LeMahieu or Cameron Mabin, et cetera, et cetera. But nonetheless, the Yankees prevail as they always do. And you I know, thought they couldn't beat. Um, I thought they couldn't beat teams above five hundred. Uh, that's what that's, I also heard. Yeah, I heard that I was from, from a couple Bob guys and, some, and yeah. the likes uh, that we were we were zero and five against teams. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! That Uh-oh. totally explains everything that happened in that series. Oh my Bob, God, Bob Jesus Bob Christ! says that it's not going to happen. It's absolutely going to happen. How did I not think of Thank that? You, How did Bob. I not make the connection? Thank you, Bob. Thanks, Boob, for solidifying the New York Yankees winning the 2019 World Series because of your tweets. Um, who do you guys think is a bigger notorious jinx, Francesa or Bob Nightingale? Oh, Francesa. It's not even Francesa, close. Easy, easy. Not even close. Really? Cause like, yeah, because like, I mean, like... I'm Francesa like, is wrong about uh, everything. And yes, Nightingale well, is limited I mean, to baseball. Not only like he's That's wrong, fair. like it... Just he's just like lost. He's it's so bad. Like See, his show is, is just so bad now too. Oh, yeah, but it's pretty I, bad. But the thing know, is, I, I think he's with a Nightingale, novelty at this point. Yeah, with Nightingale versus Francesa, I think Francesa has bad opinions. Whereas when Bob Nightingale gets things wrong, it's literally him like reporting news that he assumes is true, that people have told him to be true, and things like that, and it's just false or just you know. Something happens, like some act of God transpires where, you know, the the tides are turned against Bob Nightingale and everything he once believed turns into a fallacy. Was he ever right this offseason? I really can't like. I don't know. I mean, I think he got Machado, Harper, all that wrong. He got the Eloy Jimenez thing wrong. Him and Carlos Gomez are two peas in a fucking pod. Hector Gomez. Hector Gomez. Carlos Gomez is a baseball player. For is he even on a team? I don't think he's, he's on the Syracuse Mets. Oh, wow. wow. All right. Well, condolences, 
or my apologies rather to Carlos Gomez, friend of the yeah. podcast. Uh, you are not coupled with Bob Nanko. Antonio Gomez Poisson or whatever his name um, was, remember him? Antonio uh, Pusiano or something. Was that it? Poisson. It was like uh, Antonio, Antonio Poisson. Yeah, I don't know. Poisson? Something like that. Wow, wow. It's a throwback. The best. Manny Machado was going to get Poisson. That's what be, it was. Be patient. No. Poisson. Okay. Antonio Poisson. Don't be uh, putting letters in my captions. <laughs> <laughs> ja, ja, ja. Be patient. <laughs> Oh, oh my, my God, Dios mio! I miss Antonio. We added him to our group chat for a little while, and they and they <laughs> harassed him because he was feeding us <laughs> false information. That that stupid fraud deserved it. <laughs> oh, oh Antonio was a Kansas City Royals minor league pitcher. It says per his Twitter bio. Mm. Uh, so that means he, writer, he let himself go. That means he wasn't. Oh yeah, that that does mean he wasn't. He's kind of. Kind of big. Yeah, he let himself go unless he's like a Bartolo type. <laughs> and his Twitter header is a photo of somebody holding a phone looking at Derek Jeter's MLB.com stats page. Wow. That's and just it looks like a stock like, image. Yeah, it definitely looks like a stock image. I can't tell what season this is from. I'm guessing it's like 2016 because Let me take a look. I'm gonna pull this 137 up. games, four homers, 41 RBI. He hit 250 with a 600 OPS. I mean, or 2016. I meant 2014. You know, Sorry, he did not play. I blocked him because I was upset with his fraudulent behavior, so I can't find his account, actually. It's a shame. We can get back to that. <laughs> oh, I found him. Yeah, no, this is. I think it's ugh. 2014. It looks like because it looks like 2012 at the bottom if you zoom in. And that's the last three seasons. JP, so while we're it's here. 2013. Mm-hmm. Run to baseball Sorry. reference. All right, I will run. Run. I think that's the baseball reference and maybe. find Derek Jeter's last few seasons. It's either stats. 2013 or 14. And see which one most closely aligns with 137 games, four homers, 41 RBIs, and a 606 OPS. It was 2014. 2014. Wow. That he played is 100, 145 games, um, four homers, 50 RBI, uh, 617 OPS. That is a bad season. Yep. I mean, his, the last good year he had was 2012, and that was when he was 38. 2012 he hit he had a 791 OPS 316 362 429 15 homers 58 RBI and led the big he led the major leagues in hits with 216 wow at 38 <laughs> that's kind of remarkable yeah, I think it- the silver slugger at shortstop was seventh in the MVP voting that year Jeez. Miguel Cabrera won because I think he won the triple crown how in 2012? How did he win the um, triple crown? Oh no, he won the triple yeah, crown. He's not, he's not a horse. Yeah, I don't he's understand. He's, and he's not Jason Giambi either. Where the Francesa? Yeah, um, no, he won the, the um, triple crown in 14. It was 13. <laughs> 13. Okay, I know yeah, it was yeah, yeah. 13, 14. Well, he, he won two straight MVPs. It was yeah, 2012 when he gonna, when he had the best yeah. average in the AL and the best. Um, he slugging in the uh, AL and had the best um, OPS in the league. Back to back, if I remember. Yeah, he, he didn't have like, OBP. He didn't have on base. I thought. Wait, this um, is crazy. Hold on a second here. 
2011, he had best batting average in baseball, the best on base in baseball, but not slugging. Yeah. No, it's a slugging percentage. 586 in 2011. Pretty good. And so someone else, let me pull it up, had a better slugging percentage who qualified. It was Jose Bautista. Oh. Yeah, he had like 58, like that. He had a era, 608 right? on base. On base, no, no, base. Sorry, slugging, slugging. Jesus, slugging. I, I, I thought we were talking about slime bonds here. Yeah, this is yeah, 2011. Bautista hit 302, 447, 608 <laughs> slash batting average on base slugging. So that's 182 OPS plus. <laughs> we are so off the rails right now. Speaking of Blue Jays players, I was yeah, gonna say, cool. speaking of people who really remind me of Derek Jeter, uh, we saw, oh, we saw something eerily mirroring Derek Jeter's final game at Yankee Stadium the other night when DJ LeMahieu poked a single in the right field for a walk-off. And if you put side-by-side the videos of Jeter's walk-off and DJ LeMahieu's walk-off on, what night was that? Wednesday. 2014, talking about that one. Yeah. was that Wednesday night? Uh, so yeah, if you mirror Wednesday night's game and uh, no, no, Wednesday no, night's when we got decimated. Uh, Tuesday, Tuesday night's game and September whatever walk-off. of 2014, his walk-off, it is literally mirror images of each other and it was awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. by Cameron Mabin. Yeah, Cameron Mabin has... Cameron Mabin pickup has been pretty impressive yeah, so far for one. someone for nothing, for literally nothing. <laughs> For someone who didn't make the the Giants, who have been releasing players left and right recently, didn't make the Giants, didn't make the well, Indians, the Indians who probably could have used yeah. him anyway. And now he's with the yeah, Yankees. I don't get that. And now the he's have no outfielders. It, it's it's interesting to see that you know the, I don't know if it's something about the Yankees or what, but he has a seven eighty seven OPS, which is great for a guy who's like the tenth outfielder on the depth chart in a perfect world yeah and i mean like yeah and that's kind of been like a microcosm of the entire season but not even besides that just on the same play i guess dj lemayhew goes without saying that he has been been absolutely just i mean nothing short of remarkable 500 plus with runners in scoring position he's been hitting like over 450 or something in this last and during his hit streak, which I think has been elongated to 10 games now or 11 games. And I mean, right at the top of the lineup, he has just been an absolute staple. And Max sent us something before regarding DJ LeMahieu's uh, recent success. I mean, not even recent at this point. It's just a continued and sustained success. But actually, I don't know what you were thinking. Yeah. Uh, so... I was looking over the uh, Yankees post game notes that like PR staff sends people. And uh, so it was, he is now extended his history to 11 games. And during the history, he's hitting 40, 48. So it's 20 for 41. And he has eight multi-hit games. And he's also had four straight multi-hit games. Like the dude, the dude's just been nails. That's the thing. It's not even like he's on a hit streak, but every game he's getting two hits. So yeah, every he just, game he's giving you more than one opportunity at the top of the lineup for the bigger hitters in the lineup to to score runs to like put in, he puts himself in scoring position multiple times per game 
for people what like Glaber Torres, Luke Voigt, Gary Sanchez, the Hitman. Um, hits this year. Like I'm assuming he has to um, be amongst the top now. Oh, I don't know. I, I think missing right a few now. games and then it might have like altered his rise. He's fourth in the league in hits. But I don't know if this in the AL updated. or MLB. I'm in the entire league. I don't know if this is updated though, like including tonight. But if it's not, he came in out of the night with 42 and he had two. So let's say 44. So he'd be in third. If this isn't an updated um, list, which I'm not sure Ooh. if it is or not. Who was in front of Cody, um, <laughs> Cody Bellinger leads with 52. Jeff McNeil has 47 and he's tied for third with Christian Yelich. So if this isn't an updated um, list, he passed him. Yeah, if it's if it's my batting average, I, I'm on the MLB list for qualifiers. And Bellinger has... 394 average, McNeil 356, Yelich 356 are both tied. Um, Melky Cabrera is hitting 350. Yeah. Um, Talk about a guy that could have made a nice reunion with the Yankees this year. He would have been, he would have very well served a role like Cameron Mabin or Mike Talkman. I think he, Cameron Mabin, are very similar players at this point. Yeah, Mike Talkman. Yeah, Mabin's faster. That's, that's yeah, that is true. But like, Actually, I mean, I was going to say how much has that really made a difference, but on a play like the other night, it probably would have made yeah. a difference. And the only thing about that is that I would literally die for Melky Cabrera. So if he came Michael back. He's been great this year. Yeah, if, if Melky came That's back and stole. Yankee shoots. If he had stole number 53 from Zach Breton, I would have been to every it's single game. Stealing, it's his number. It yeah, is his number. number. I, I yeah, would have gone to every number. single game in which Cabrera was in the lineup. I would have traveled, however long it would have taken. I would have crawled through glass, salt, and barbed wire to watch Melky Cabrera don the New York Yankees pinstripes again. Fifty-three. No, what number would he be? Fifty-three or? Well, he Britain has fifty-three. Is the only thing. Yeah, true. Uh, Does anyone wear like 51? I don't know what he Not came up as. I want to say he was in like the 80s or something. 20, when he came. 28? 28? 28. He was 28 at one point. Did you guys ask if anyone wears um, 51? I don't know if that was a joke or not. No, Is that a dumb question? 51's retired. Oh, geez, it's Bernie. I don't know why I thought Milky. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, I think Melky wears 51 now or something is what he I was thinking. He 39 when he first came up, 28, and then 53, and has worn 53 with every other team since. Yeah, 35, 35. 35. Do we have a 35? Uh, yes. Who? Uh, wait a minute. Be Someone was 35. One. Billy, Billy Burns wore 35. Um, He's a spring training. Wore 35. Michael Pineda did wear 35. Mike Messina wore 35. Yeah, but they, I don't know if anybody's worn it so far in the regular season, but it's not retired. Let me see. The most recent to wear it in the regular season was, was Pineda. Wow. I feel like that's kind of a common number. It's a little odd that we haven't seen it. Yeah, it's just weird. One of those things. I don't know. Well, Anyway, things that we have seen are series against the Minnesota Twins and the Seattle Mariners. And going back to the beginning of the Twins series, 
what was the first game? The pitching matchup was James Paxton versus somebody. All I, I honestly, it's a blur now because that was during my finals week, and I was drowning myself in many things, including but not limited to alcohol, depression, and homework. And I spent very little time digesting much of the happenings of the New York Yankees. So that all kind of blended together. Uh, We are home now. The school year is over. Rejoice. Hark for the Herald Angels have sung upon me. And the school year is over and it is summer. Thus officially beginning the New York Yankees season. But nonetheless, that game, the first game was, um, Paxton versus Kyle Gibson. That was the game that yes. Gary hit two balls to the moon. To the moon. Uh, when he, he hit his ninth and tenth homers. One was off of Gibson. The other was off of Mike Morin. Um, that game, um, Luke Voigt got thrown out like four different times on the bases. <laughs> oh, is that the one where Phil Nevin sent him when yeah, fucking Marlon got out? Literally on the ball, like four steps from the shortstop. In the left field, and Luke yeah, Boyd he's had out by a mile. He was out yeah, by a mile. Was pissed. It was funny. It was. Yeah, and then the next game was the game that they lost. They lost seven three because I think it was that was when Hap had a bad start and yeah. um, allowed four runs in five and two thirds, which even there is not too awful. But at no. the same time, they it, didn't. They weren't hitting Jake Odorizzi at all. No, he's been good though this year, so I mean... Yeah, exactly. He's an area under three. Which is pretty... Pretty uh, impressive. And then they had a single de Mayo win shortened by rain. That was when uh, Pineda... That was against Pineda. That was Domingo versus Pineda, Pineda, which is just so funny because I saw a tweet that was, I think it was from um, Mike Exusa, who used to run um, River Ave Blues, rest in peace. Um, <laughs> Rip Bozo. Uh, Went to my, um, one of my biggest haters funeral. Haters die. die. <laughs> um, I think he tweeted, I think, I feel like I've seen this Michael Pineda start like 600 times because he got eight strikeouts, but allowed four runs. Yeah, that's, that's like, yeah, um, that's just like and Herman. Herman pitched six and two thirds, game. four hits, one run, seven strikeouts. And then they you know what's bad? You know what's bad as a pitcher when Mike Talkman, who swings through ninety-two mile an hour fastballs, takes you deep. Yeah. Um. And then in the Seattle, the Seattle four game series, a pitching matchup that would have been friggin' awesome ten years ago. Um, <laughs> Sabathia versus Felix Hernandez. Oh, that was sad for Felix. Like, I just oh, yeah, feel bad. So but, like, he settled in after the um, second inning. I don't think. What, like, Maybe he went like scored five, five innings? Like after? 30 we scored six minutes. in the two innings, I think. Um, like, they scored, they scored seven runs in the first three innings and then didn't score the rest of the game. Which is fine. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's fine. But they did almost lose. If I remember the game, it got like close at a certain point or there was a chance. I, I don't there was remember. A solo I know there was a big moment. There was a solo homer in the fifth. Um, I think there was a time where they had like the bases loaded. There was, was a, the there was the play the that game. was when Holder came in in the sixth and um, 
promptly like loaded the bases and then Adovino got a fly Can out and then Estrada made that Estrada oh, yeah, made a yes, nice yes. play played yep. shortstop yeah, I remember now yeah. and then then there was the walk-off in game two the Gio Urshela powered walk-off where with one on and one out he homered off Anthony Swarzak um after meet the Mets Former Yankee, love, he's yeah. oh my god, the former Yankee. Step right up and greet the Mets. But yeah, Anthony Swarzak is, is as awful. soon as he um yeah as soon as he came in the, the game, the, you knew the Yankees won. It was so he funny that the, the picture of of Swarzak like crouching on the ground after giving up the say, homer. It's, yeah. it's funny and it's really similar as well to the picture the of Stanton, yeah, yeah, the, the whatever bum gave up the walk off to Stanton last year, who was also conveniently on Seattle. I don't think it was Swarzak because Swarzak no, was on the Mets. Um, it was like I, I want to say his last name was like Wolf or something. I remember last year when I we faced uh, the Mets. Um, Swarzak came in. I think it was the eighth inning. He faced um Judge, and the first um pitch he threw was just I mean like launched. I think it was to um give the Yankees that lead also in like the eighth inning against the. It was, oh, Kirk. Uh, sorry, that was that close Kirk. enough. Not Wolf. Um. And yesterday, I miss Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, who knows? I think he's dead. I think he's done. That's he was, uh, he's sometimes pretty fun to watch, and we have been deprived of, of that. <laughs> yeah, and been I've been I've been told two sixty six with thirty eight homers is not good. Um, but well, first yeah, no, of all, call him Mike. All right, that's the first thing. <laughs> that's what we call him on this podcast. We call him Mike. And yeah, yeah, I mean, he's not that great. He's just not. He strikes out a lot. So. Yeah, but he hit homers. Meanwhile. So, but no, those aren't good enough because he doesn't. He, he doesn't, doesn't have situational do clutch. No, he only he does homers in games that are done. Or yeah. <laughs> oh boy. I hate our fan base sometimes so much. Jesus. Oh God. They yeah, are. It's it's absolutely. We have not only the sometimes. best fan base, but also the absolute worst fan base. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't have said it any better. I feel like, I, honestly, I don't even know if it's the fan base as much as just people on Twitter are just awful. Yeah, people I really suck. think it's just like this. It's because Twitter is, a, is a, an environment that, that just profits breeds on cowards. hot takes. Yeah, it breeds cowards is what it does. And when you don't have, like, it sounds, it's cliche at this point, but like, when you don't have to face like real world implications and look at people in the eye when you say things, you're apt to say more ridiculous things. And I say ridiculous things. A lot of us say ridiculous things, but I, I generally enjoy saying ridiculous things to people in person as well, because I like starting controversy. And a lot of these people are, you know, I don't know if they're just sad or decrepit or just down on the luck or just kind of bored. But nonetheless, it, you know, the Twitter is just a breeding ground for frauds and for feeble, insecure. Uh, I don't know. I'm running out of thesaurus. Thesaurus. Something like. Like um, when Kurt Schilling, as of a couple of minutes ago, got baited by notorious troll account three year Letterman. Um, Who's a king? <laughs> Wait, I missed that. 
It was yeah. like two minutes ago. Yeah, um, oh, Aubrey Huff, no. Aubrey Huff, oh. and Kurt Schilling <laughs> got involved in That's the same thread right there. Um, That's insane. Yeah. Um, very, very funny. Um, and speaking of of cowards, <laughs> can we talk about what the hell D Gordon was freaking oh, out about? Van Heyman again. But yeah, you know, there's nothing to be said. D Gordon's a bitch. First of all, D Gordon is such a bitch. The only time that I think D Gordon has had any real like inherent value as a major league baseball player was when steroids. Well, no, not even. Was when he hit the home run after Jose Jose Fernandez's death. Besides that, they probably lost that game too because they're the fucking Marlins. But then again, it was against the Mets. They won like eight one or something like that. Bartolo got absolute shelled. Oh, what a shock. Yeah, but like D. Gordon is just just absolutely notorious. Not even notoriously. D. Gordon is, uh, oh, God, Jesus. I used up all my vocab words in my little rant about Twitter fans. Um, Jesus, I don't know what, what, what word I'm looking for, but D. Gordon sucks. Yeah, right. I'm not a fan. And he was yelling into the media, I guess, about Jay Hap shouldn't throw a ball inside because he's scared. He has to feed his family or some bullshit. All right, D. Gordon, maybe if you're on base percentage for your career, it wasn't like 285. People would have a little bit more respect for you. Maybe if you didn't do fucking steroids and you're still, what, five foot nothing and you weigh 160 pounds soaking wet. No, give me a fucking break, D. Gordon. All you do is in the rare event that you get on base, you try and steal, but look at me. You got thrown out by Gary Sanchez today on a pitch that was low and away from Jay Happ, who notoriously does not throw hard. So a pitch that wasn't thrown hard, low and away, and you got thrown out at second. You fraud. You are nothing, D. Gordon, and you should probably quit. And I hope you're on the 60-day DL by tomorrow. By the time people listen to this, I hope D. Gordon is declared out for the season with a broken wrist. He also said that that pitch was like the set was like one of two or three that was like around his head. And it was his head. It was his second plate appearance of the day. And he walked on five pitches in the first inning. And there there wasn't a single pitch like more inside than like the inner half of the plate. Like he got one called strike. Everything else was outside or low. How is the wrist like near? I don't understand it. I don't know. It was him he being a little over used, um, What's the guy's name? Um, um, you know the the uh, pitcher. Um, Kikuchi's um Pintar. He could have used that, and then he would have been fine if he didn't like hit him. Given the Pintar that Kikuchi used. Yeah, I don't know. That was one step below. I that was one step below. I wasn't upset by that, but a lot of people as were. Michael Pineda when he got thrown yeah. out of the game against the Red Sox yeah. all those like, years that was ago. That horribly obvious. Yeah, it was I really funny though that uh, D Gordon is now named Doodoo the Clown per the meme that Cup sent us yesterday. So I will be here on referring to D Gordon as Doodoo the Clown. So, D, if you're listening, rather doo-doo if you're listening, go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, God. I honestly doo-doo. think, I think from here on out, we should have no, we a designated... calling out players like that. You also can't call them doo-doo the clown. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> doo-doo. You can make racist connotations to that, and it's not, I, I 
can't. I can't right now with <laughs> what I'm. I can't. How about Bozo I the Clown? Dude, Bozo the Clown works. That works. That doesn't work. Yeah, you can racist connotations though. Oh, you never know with the with the animals on the left, like JP. Uh, he's uh, he's subscribing to the the um, Chicago Cubs method oh, of, yeah. of um, white power guy. <laughs> Look, I'm I just mean, trying to get a job right now, and if only network here. No one listens to this podcast. Have like 20 people. Oh, oh man, yeah. but yeah, no, I I think <laughs> I'm gonna keep calling them due to the clown, but <laughs> but in addition, <laughs> I think from here on out we should have just a designated few minutes. Per episode, where we just pick a people or one person, we just tell them to go fuck themselves. I'm fine with that. I have a list. And today it's due to the clown. <laughs> Last time it was Joe Rondazzo and I think John Heyman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, before that, I, I've told Jan Mankata to go fuck himself. Uh, who was having a phenomenal season? He's having. I, I guess I reverse jinxed it. I, I got like some of them right. Show- some. Oh. Your, your guy Shohei's back. Are you going to tell him the fucking Oh, talk? my God. So, yeah, well, no, I've done that enough. On t- the thing is, here's the thing with Shohei Otani is I hate Shohei Otani. If that hasn't been established already. My tweets last season during the Rookie of the Year race and during John Heyman's, uh, like, media efforts to get him elected as AL Rookie of the Year and all that shit. Sorry, I'm burping. Um all that, like, it made me so angry. And then to a point, I was like, even if I don't believe this, I got to keep going. Because, like, why not at that point? So I just, I, I got John Heyman to block me at some point from, like, I, I don't remember what, what the camel or the, the straw that broke the camel's back was. I think it was uh, some some inference that he and Shohei engage sexually and, or, you know, uh uh, what's another word? It's Jesus, Whoa, I'm, what I'm, the I'm, fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about what John is Heyman. this podcast? What is going on? I'm talking about John Heyman and Shohei Otani. But what I was gonna say, I don't even know what I was gonna say. Oh, well, Shohei went 0 for 4 with two strikeouts in his return after MLB postponed having Nolan Arenado as the MLB Twitter hitter for the day. And they said, Oh my god, Shohei Otani's back. We gotta, yeah, 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 yeah. we gotta get, you know, they we did that. Yeah, they they like the fan, um, you know, every day they elect, yeah, no. they elect like the Twitter hitter. And the, once, you know, MLB got word, I guess, of um, what's it called of Otani's return. They said, Nolan, sorry, I know you guys voted for him. You guys get to see him tomorrow, though. We're going to postpone it because Shohei's back. So the millions of people that follow at MLB on Twitter got to see some tall, skinny piece of shit fraud strike out twice and go 0 for 4 on one of the worst teams in the MLB. Meanwhile, Nolan Arenado, I'm pretty sure, hit a home run that night. Yeah, probably. Because that's what he does. Because he's a good baseball player and a good hitter. Unlike Shohei Otani. When was this? Last night? Or two Uh, nights ago? Two nights ago. Whatever day he returned. Nolan, the game actually got postponed, so... No, no. Oh, actually, no. I tweeted it, it from the next Wednesday day. Night. I tweeted at them the next day, I think, because he had done something remarkable. I don't know. What? But I don't even remember where I was going with this in the fr- Oh, the go fuck yourself hour. That's what it was. Um, yeah, maybe maybe if we get enough steam going for, 
you know, this initiative. Uh, I can do like a whole offshoot podcast. Just picking. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Like 75, 80, 100 people per week. And just telling them to go fuck themselves. That's JP, really concerning. That's great, but maybe we should talk about the Yankees. So yeah, we're talking about baseball that. here. That's what we like to do is talk about yeah. baseball. Yeah, um, but maybe speaking of a guy that can go, f- um, uh, never mind, I'm not going to say that because that would be a bad segue because I actually like him. Um, well, I was going to say speaking of a guy. Speaking of a guy, oh. go fuck himself. Yeah, I mean, uh, thinking of... I like Speaking of, I like here's here's the thing about yeah. about it about Loisaga. I'm gonna just completely. Well, now it's gonna this. sound I'm so gonna... unnatural because you just said it. Like we need a segue because my don't. part's not gonna stay in. Where it's speaking of a guy gonna go fuck himself. <laughs> I mean, okay. Uh, it doesn't have to have a perfectly said introduction, but. There was one game during the homestand that really stood out, and that was the 10 to 1 loss to Seattle. And a lot of that had to do with Jonathan Loisaga not having his best stuff. And there's always a lot of second guessing there to like um, look at how the Yankees handle their pitching. They always are always under the microscope when it comes to starting pitching, and it's always been the Yankees need pitching, the Yankees need pitching, whether it's true or not. Um, and so at this point, Loisaga has a 4.50 ERA, um, in three starts, four games. Um, he had that relief outing in Oakland, um, when CC first came back and pitched really well. Um, so his, his overall ERA actually as a starter is higher. Um, and a report that I saw that was interesting Coupling with what we talked about last episode, I know we don't want to mention John Heyman, but he did mention something about um, Dallas Keuchel and the Yankees and possibly there being interest there, as well as um, SNY's favorite Andy Martino, who tweeted that um, the Yankees will likely be aggressive in their pursuit of starting pitching still, despite who they've got currently with the team. They'll be still looking for an extra arm, and who knows, you know how that'll end up coming together. Because remember, there was um, when they acquired both Lance Lynn and Jay Happ. Um, that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, and, and I so, think I think that's like I mean, a valuable point. Like, I mean, I'm not. I don't mean to interrupt you, but like, no, I was just. I just wanted to tie off my thought about the the numbers because Loisga as a starter is 0 and 1 with a 5.73 ERA. He's allowed seven runs in 11 innings, which isn't yeah, that's what you not want. great. That's not it. Yeah, it's not what you want. But I, I think it's interesting when you look at the idea of the Yankees adding starting pitching because, th- like, you think, oh, they're going to add something at the deadline, and it's probably going to be a rental it'll be like something for a title run or for a playoff push and i don't think you have to limit yourself to thinking it's necessarily that the yankees is like notoriously a team that thinks very forwards and they think towards the future with a lot of things like with the acquisition of glaber torres a few years ago they you know they traded their closer for a kid who was what 18 years old and thinking like oh i guess we're gonna take a shot so when you look at the yankees pitching staff like the rotation in, in, in particular there are a lot, not even a lot, because it's only five, six people, but like 
there are questions regarding the future. I mean, 2020 is, I mean, it's right around the corner and it's not something you can ignore. And CC's gone. That's like an actual, you know, solidified foregone conclusion. Jay Happ is old. I mean, he's not going to be around forever. And he, we can already see, like, I know he had a good outing tonight, but like his effectiveness is not where it once was. There are no illusions about that. And as Andy Martino pointed out very inconveniently to many Yankees fans, Masahiro Tanaka's elbow is not a given. Like, it, it is, you know, he's always kind of downplayed it. Uh, Tanaka has, and the Yankees have always kind of downplayed it publicly, but he did say, and I, I trust at this point, I think he's built himself enough trust, Martino, that he said internally the Yankees are day-to-day very worried about the prospect of Tanaka's elbow giving out at some point because he's gone how many it's years already now? already partially torn, yeah. Yeah, it's already partially torn. And even though it's not been a problem so far, there is nothing guaranteeing anybody from thinking that this isn't going to happen one day. Obviously, yeah, that would be I a devastating th- loss for the Yankees if that were to oh, happen. For sure. But that's why I think the acquisition by the Yankees of somebody not like I, I even Dallas Keuchel. I, I was thinking so I can't think of any like a mad bum, like somebody like mad bum or Dallas Keuchel who would either be a, a rental or b old, not too much of a future. Like best days are both are behind both of them. And. Keiko wouldn't be ready for God knows how long. And the thing like, I, I think it would be, this is kind of redundant or not redundant, but like painfully obvious is that it would be more beneficial for them to invest more in a younger, controllable, more talented arm at this point, rather than a rental like Madison Bumgarner. And I think the names that come to mind in that regard would be somebody like Trevor Bauer, Noah Syndergaard, Zach Wheeler, even who's not as good as Syndergaard, granted, but Uh-oh. Wheeler's a pending free agent. Oh, is he? Yeah, is he I, I didn't even know now? that. I mean, Syndergaard is really bad. Syndergaard is really, I mean, yeah, he's been bad, but like he's still not really Syndergaard. Yeah, he's finished a shutout like two weeks ago. Yeah, less than that, even. Um, yeah, and the, I don't, I don't know, know, know. They, they, like. But still, you, you always know he's going to come around. Wheeler, I think, would be a very good value. I didn't know he was he would be a rental at this point. And I think if they were to trade for someone like him, if the Mets do fall off like it looks like they're trending to do yet again, I think that would be a worthy place to kind of, you know, wander into. Like, see, yeah, but the, test- the Mets are never going to trade with each other. That's the thing. But like, I think that's I, I don't know, like, overdone narrative. That's overdone. Overdone. We couldn't even overdone. get Jay Bruce. And it's yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. I, mean, I, I also think another narrative, narrative, but I think narrative, I, but it's still there because the Wilpons are still there, and they they're they're a bunch of like the Wilpons are a bunch of like they they just hate. They're a bunch of idiots. Win. You can yeah, you can just yeah. say that they're a bunch of idiots. They don't want to do what's right for so you know they don't want to do what's necessary to win exactly. Well, I don't want to say that. Well, I mean, like. Th- I mean, they don't want to see their I mean, guy do well for the season. They made some moves in an effort, like, how to win. So, like, you know, I don't want to say, like, that they, like, would, like, um, 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 trade with us, but I don't think it's something that's, like, so, um, like, absurd now. I mean, because they yeah, know I, I that think- we have the prospects at this point. 
Yeah. It just, you know, it just depends yeah, on the package. a lot of lower package. level guys. And one, one guy that's an interesting name, and I want to get your thoughts on this, is um, Mike Miner with the yeah. Texas Rangers. He reminds me of Hap. Like, he reminds me of, like, a Hap-type move. Who's and got I don't want that. Through seven starts, he's three and two with a two, 2.4 ERA. How old um, is he? Uh, Miner is... Um, and the thing 31. is, like, I, don't, 31 okay, so I, I couldn't. I, I figured he was a little bit on the older side, but, but thirty-one is an awful thirty-one is pitcher. In, yeah, I mean, no, it's really not. But I, I didn't know. I like I. I obviously have heard his name in the past, but like he was like really thrown into the spotlight this year, and I was like, I'm not like losing my mind. This guy's not like 24 years old or anything, is right. he? Well, he had, he was with um, the Braves, and that's when he broke in, and then he had, I think he had like. A really bad complications from elbow surgery and he didn't pitch in the major leagues in 2015 or 2016 um so he went from pitching in 25 games in 2014 to coming back uh, as a reliever for kansas city in 2017 um yeah and so he signed with texas and texas turned him back into a starter and he had a hard time in the beginning with that. He had a 4.18 ERA in 28 starts for Texas in 2018. But he, the way that I look at him is he's under contract this year and next year at 9.8 million, which is not a ridiculously expensive deal for a player who's, you know, he's performing well now. And I think that the Yankees are still going to have some time to figure out whether they're going to make moves now or, or make moves later. And that salary would put, um, would put, um, minor just in between Adam Adovino and DJ LeMahieu in terms of guaranteed money players. So minor would end up being just about the same price as James Paxton would be next year. Hmm. That's interesting. And I, I, the, the only concern that I would have with that is that I think if they were going to opt for something along those lines, like a guy that's a little bit older, and only a couple years left. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if they would go for something that's a bit more of a question mark than someone like Mad Bun. Even I don't I don't know. Like, I, I like it, but I almost feel like it's too good to be true right now. Like the two four, I don't expect to stand like the ERA, it, you know, a, 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 a regression to the mean, I believe, is inevitable. And yeah, if he continues that. his success, even like remotely into the trade deadline, then I would never, you know, shake a stick at the move were it to happen. But I don't know. I, I think maybe I'm just like getting caught up in the fact that it's not like one of those sexy moves that like that would get Twitter and everybody all riled up and not it's not very tantalizing or anything like like a Trevor Bauer would be who I mean, is it's one like of Hap. my favorite pitchers. Well yeah Hap it was like one of those I mean, like Hap was you know a big name like I mean like I I mean I'll be honest i didn't like him i didn't um um want him honestly like i and i mean like he proved me um wrong obviously last year but i don't know i think it's just like a move like that with minor if that was to like happen which i don't think it will it would be a pretty minor move all things considered yeah. <laughs> uh, i'm a sad person I'm um, a very sad Garrett person. Cole is a free agent in the offseason. I still think that's, 
going to be their main guy if the Astros don't resign him, which I don't <sighs> imagine they will because I feel like if they will, it would have already like, happened by now because they resigned everyone else or not like everyone else, but they resigned um, Verlander. I feel like they would have attempted at least with Cole. And the Yankees obviously love him as we've seen in the past where they picked him in the draft and they attempted to um, trade for him. So if he's out there, I think he's all but um, a Yankee. Like, I think that's like a foregone like thing. Well, actually, I have to imagine a guy like Garrett Cole wouldn't want to just go play for a team that's not competitive. Now, considering he went from probably the best, like, I mean, a top like three team in the league to, you yeah. know, so. And I don't know what the Red Sox pitching looks like, and I don't know what their payroll looks like for next year. They are starting to. I think they like we kind of easily because of um, what's it called? Because of their payroll woes this year and everything and their lack of a farm system and things like that. We've kind of downplayed their their presence in the free agent market and in the trade market and things like that. But I feel like going forwards, we're not going to be able to sleep on them as much, even though we've seen them sign and re-sign some players and, you know, to extensions or to contracts that were probably not the most they're paying, efficient. They're paying Rick Porcello almost $22 million this year. Yeah. That's uh, not ideal. If I had they're to designate it their pending free agents are Porcello, JD if he opts out, which I think Mor- is- Mitch Moreland, Steve Pierce, Eduardo Nunez, Brock Holt, Tyler Thornburg, Brandon Workman. Um, so their rotation is fairly settled. I mean, they're definitely. I don't think they're going to resign Porcello. Porcello is Could- not going to get anywhere near. As Yan- much money I is. feel like that could be a guy that the Yankees would sign and people would hate it. I mean, I do feel like that's a guy the like that the Yankees could sign. I don't Ugh. think I mean, I doubt that they would, but I wouldn't like I just I don't know. I, f- I wouldn't love it. I feel like that would be like, you know, like a cashman thing to do. He was my most overrated player. <laughs> yeah, I very much agree. He's Pitcher, not, at least. I um agree. Because the the other thing is the Yankees don't have as many pending free agents no, um, who do as we Boston have does because here? it's it's um, Sabathia who's retiring, Gardner who they probably don't resign, Tulo who's definitely not being resigned, <laughs> and then it's who knows Didi, if Tulo's even reinstated to the roster. Didi, Batansis, and Romine. Romine is gone. Didi is Honestly, I'm Didi sure they'll call sign a minor league catcher. Or something, but I would love if Higgy was the permanent backup yeah, next year. Yeah, I mean, because he's under control, I don't see why you your money on Romine. He's a good catcher. Yeah, I mean, he can't like throw guys out, but he can hit enough at the plate, and he's not. I mean, and he's off. So I mean, I think he's better than from um, than Romine. So yeah, on that note, I think we're gonna segue into our. Fan submissions for this week. We are going to centralize, or what? Uh, what the word I'm looking for? We're going to focus on the direct messages via Twitter that we've received, and then we're going to relegate voicemails until next week, so we can accumulate a couple more of them. So we got our first one from at Yankees in 2020. Noah asks, "Who are the Yankees All Star Game favorites as of right now?" And I think, right off the bat. Can't hesitate. Luke Voigt, Gary Sanchez. 
Domingo Herman. Yeah, Domingo Herman might even start the All Star game. Um, Chapman? No. Mm, I I don't think I don't know what. Oh, DJ. Uh, you know? DJ, I'd oh, yeah. say. DJ taking three fifty. DJ Voigt. Um, Gary. Herman. Herman. You know, Talkman. Um. Yeah, Talkman. Cameron yeah. Mabin. No, but yeah, then, then I think, and I'm like, what about yeah? What about Gio Rochella? And you think like, oh, like he's been great, but like, no, not that. And then you're like, wait a minute. He actually has, a, a but he's literally been hitting 350. Um, Gary Sanchez, Luke Voigt, DJ Lemayu, Gleyber Torres, Urshela, Talkman, Gardner, and <laughs> Clint Frazier, I think, is are all yeah. stars. List the entire 25 man roster, but yeah, yeah. I, I think I would Jake vote Barrett. right now <laughs> in uh, in like actual unbiased object like objectivity. I would vote for vote. Uh, <laughs> I'd vote for Voight, Sanchez, LeMayu, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. even Urshela. I think there have been shortstops better than Glaber. I, I haven't looked at the numbers. But yeah, like, he, he's not an all-star right now, at least. No, at least not as of right now. And uh, besides that, no one really in the outfield because Judge is hurt and all of them are dead. And, oh, and Herman. Because Herman is... Maybe Adovino. But I feel like Adovino's it's tough been with really good. But it's tough with guys in the pen. Like, yeah, I feel to make the team because they like yeah, um, the pick a lot of starters got... too. Okay. Yeah, starters they pick and closers. Starters, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. Oh, Jose Abreu is very good, so he might start the All Star game. But, yeah, like, but I think Luke Voigt is more tantalizing like, name. He's more exactly he's a, like more fun because he's a Yankee too. Yeah. I mean. Not to be mean, and but even there's DJ, not a like, lot of fans for the White Sox. No, yeah, and and DJ, I don't know off the top of my head which AL the second only guy base would have be been better. Jose Al- and Jose Altuve because he's stinky just, this year. Yeah, but I mean, he's a big name, a big um, a big a big fan base. He'd get a he'd get a lot of votes. Um, oh God, votes! I just said votes. <laughs> he'd get a lot of votes just because of his name. But I mean, LeMahieu, yeah, hundred percent. You know something that's interesting about LeMahieu? Mm. If you organize second baseman, he is a top five base runner by second in second baseman. That doesn't in surprise me. Good, he's good at Brandon, everything. Brandon, I don't know yeah. whether I don't know whether the guy with the Rays, Brandon, if it's low or loud. There's two of them, I think it's and loud. I don't know which one is which. Because one is pronounced Nate the is other the first way. Baseman. I think it's Nate Low, Brandon Lau. Okay, because Lau is fourth. V- Jonathan VR with the Orioles is third. Colton Wong second. D Gordon is first. Doo doo. Um, <laughs> I wish I remembered to call him Doo Doo. Yeah, shit, Doo Doo. Oh man. <laughs> nah, I agree with those. I with those picks. I mean, Gary Voigt. Um, stuff like that. Gary's a lock. He's like, who else really is? You know, maybe like Omar Nervaez is the only other guy. Uh, I think Salvador Perez. Perez, Yeah, that guy sucks. He should be be in the All Star game. Heyman, you know, he made like six straight. (laughs) John Heyman, he personally told me that he made um six straight. So, yeah. But speaking of that, uh, at Luigi the Platano personally told the Core Four podcast, "Do you think 
and Duhar's hitting struggles are timing based or injury related? Um, timing. Hundred percent. Um, that's not even. I'm gonna go timing. I think I, it's because, or I don't know. Are we doing reasons? Um, I don't no, really have don't. a reasoning. I just think it's simple. I think, um, from my perspective, I think he can do as many. You know, rehab games are are useful in in that it gives him an opportunity to get his timing back. But hitting in a ball is no going to be nowhere near what it takes to hit in the big leagues. No. And so I think there's a certain amount of his um, mechanics that just aren't there yet. And that's totally fine. Yeah. And I I think he's going to come around. He's also like, I don't want to say it's because of his injury that he's having some woes right now. But I think when not only is he dealing with having to regain his timing, but he also has to deal with a shoulder that doesn't feel the same as it did. And granted, your shoulder doesn't too much. Yeah, it doesn't. A too much effect, I guess, you're swinging because he's still out there. Like, I don't know the specific he's anatomy that really. Ball. I mean, at least, like, the good thing uh, that he's, you know, like, I mean, I mean not kind like, of. well, but he's, like, putting it in, like, play at least. I'd rather that than, you know, like, him just, um, like, consistently uh, whiffing on the pitches, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, there there is always a silver line, but yeah, I think I mean, he's uh, too good of a hitter to, to really be, yeah. like, you know, uh, like discounted for sure at this point. I, yeah. I, I would say give him like a, another week or two. And if these are still mm-hmm. continuing, if he still hasn't racked up a hit by the end of next week, then maybe we'll sound the alarms. But yeah. for now, he's doing all right. But the thing also, the thing about it is the options that the Yankees have given who's around and who's not, like they get no, there's no downside to DHing him. And having Urshela play third until, you know, they're forced to find a spot for him, you know, until they're forced to play him at third base. I don't think he had a ball hit to him tonight. He didn't. No. Which is fine. But like, I don't think anybody really had a ball hit to them tonight. I think Hap was pretty in control. Um, But like until Judge and Stanton and all of them are back, you know, there's no way that they excuse me have to um like take him out of the lineup because he can't play defense or or what have you so they have the ability to be patient with him to get his timing back and really they can bat him sixth or seventh and and dh him have shell play third and if it's taking talkman out of the lineup great like (laughs) yeah honestly it's not like it's any fucking loss but yeah, we just need to be patient. Cha cha cha. But yeah, besides that, I mean, I, I think you guys pretty much covered that one. And uh, speaking of Anduhar and like infield configuration, a very noted friend of the pod at Tanaka in the cut, our buddy McNulty asks, what do you guys think happens when Didi comes back? If our shell, you know, somehow keeps us up where you see the infield. And I think I'll, I'll take point on this one because I feel that I like obviously I am enamored by the success of Gio Urshela this season and it has been indispensable to the Yankees success but at the same time when push comes to shove and Didi returns if he is playing shortstop or I mean 
wherever he ends up playing, if they want to keep Glaber there or something for some reason, and they put Didi, I don't know, like second base or something. But regardless, let's say he goes back to shortstop, like is very, you know, well likely. I think it should be DJ at third, Didi at second, mm-hmm. uh, at short, Glaber at second, and Void at first with Andujar DHing because yes, that's what I would you say. You are not taking. I don't like. I understand Arshella had a home run and like he does all these wonderful things. You are not, and you will not convince me that this is a good idea to take out of the lineup a bat like DJ Lemayhu, who has been doing what Arshella is doing right now for over six years in the major leagues. He has won a batting title before. That is not something that you can fake. And Jiro Arshella being a career fifty WRC plus hitter in the major leagues is you know coupled with a very hot start to his age 27 season is not enough to convince me that he has earned a starting spot when all of the real major leaguers have returned to the 25 man roster to the active roster. It's just not enough. I'm not taking D's bat out of the lineup for a I'm not taking DJ's bat out of the lineup. I'm certainly not taking Glaber's bat out of the lineup. Where are you going to put him left field? I don't think so. I mean, so I would say DH and Duhar, Didi short, Glaber second, LeMahieu third, Voight first. And then, you know, you can have fun with that if you ever need to, like, you know, given the situation or something. But I think, I think they also have the, the flexibility that they have will allow them to, like, send Estrada down, um, whether it's deserving or not. And I think they could have Urshela around. <laughs> As because, a bench guy. Yeah. And he's a pretty good bench player to have. He does have experience. Yeah. At shortstop and at second base. I think he might have even played some first in the Blue Jays organization. Um, so he's the kind of guy that you can keep and sort of plug and play as you need to. But I agree with the idea that LeMahieu should be playing third if and when Didi comes back. And, you know, regardless of where he ends up, you can make um, accommodations for Didi, whether he's playing second or short and whether Glaber is playing second or short as a result. Um, so yeah, I, I think Andujar DHing is probably the best outcome and probably it will be that way until, until judge Stanton Hicks, all of them are back. There's no real way to, to that you, where you have, would have to force them out just because you can have Stanton play the outfield. You can have Frazier play the outfield. Um, all of these different options that allow DH to be open for, for Andujar. And I think I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's like a, I don't want to say it's like unpopular because I don't think it's even been discussed, but the idea of playing DD at second base is a very good one. I think. Yeah. Because you still get his glove. Too. Yeah. You still get his glove in the middle of the infield. His glove isn't going to change. Like it's it's still going to be Didi's glove. It'll go a little easier on his arm. And I think it would be more beneficial to the Yankees in all aspects if they paid him as a second baseman and if they groomed their, you know, amazing young star, twenty two year old into a shortstop, which he has always come up as. Like DG, uh, DG. What the fuck am I even saying? Didi played second. For much of his childhood and growing up and everything, he was playing second with Andrelton Simmons and Curacao. I mean, we know he can do it. 
you know, just as Glaber could go back and forth, I believe Didi can as well. And I think that's an opportunity, uh, not an opportunity, but a possibility or, uh, gee, I, okay. Usually I try to pride myself in being a walking fucking thesaurus, but I cannot think today. Maybe it's a little late. Maybe I'm losing it, but it nonetheless, I think it would be a good idea for the Yankees to at least explore Didi at second and Glaber at short. And I think maybe we'll see it one day. I don't know if they just see Didi as like a Derek Jeter type where if he's on the field, he's playing shortstop. But I don't know. I think it would be pretty cool. I think that middle of the infield would be remarkable. And I think long-term thinking, it would be much more beneficial. But besides that, uh, thank you guys for sticking around. Um, we are coming off a very fun homestand, five of seven. We are headed down to Tampa tomorrow. We are getting, by the time you guys hear this, it'll all already have been over and it could end up being a dud. But we are literally seeing the two best pitchers in the AL tomorrow face off in a marquee matchup of Domingo Herman against Tyler Glass now. Two young, not, you know, two studs who have broken out this year and have just absolutely taken the league by storm. And while they're not really, you know, like eye grabbing names just yet, we might be poised to witness a very, very, very just phenomenal pitching matchup tomorrow. So the Yankees have Herman. Sabathia and Tanaka going. I don't think that's the order necessarily, but they have Herman, Sabathia, and Tanaka going against the Rays in the Trop this weekend. Um, I don't know off the top of my head who the Rays are putting on the bump for the three games besides Glass. Now, um, the Rays are welcoming back their uh, Glass Now's counterpart in the Chris Archer trade, Austin Meadows, the young outfielder who took the Rays and the AL East and the league by storm as well earlier in the season by hitting 350 and just leading the league in essentially every category before he got hurt and sprained his toe, I believe a few weeks ago, much to the chagrin of my fantasy team. Um, he returns on Friday. He will be activated, which is good news for my fantasy team. Bad news probably for the Yankees because he's a very good hitter. But besides that, the Yankees are hot right now. They will be welcoming back Aaron Hicks on Monday. Uh, corresponding move is likely to be determined, but if I had to guess, it would be Mike Talkman. I think there is a case. However, I'm not saying I advocate therefore, but I think there is a case for keeping Talkman on the roster as opposed to Cameron Mabin or Tyro Estrada. I think it would be Cameron Mabin that would be the other one sent down, if not Talkman, in that Talkman is a little bit more of a plus in things like speed and defense and has a bit more upside than Maven, seeing as we've seen his ceiling in the major leagues. Um, he has been much better for the Yankees throughout his tenure so far. Talkman has been absolutely abysmal, swinging right through 93-mile-an-hour fastballs that were pretty much put on the tee for him for the better part of the last two weeks. Um, so I'm hoping that Mike Talkman, you know, enjoys his hopefully extended stay in Scranton, Pennsylvania once Aaron Hicks returns to the Yankees. But um, 
Oh gosh, I I hope we will see James Paxson back sooner rather than later. I'm sure by the time you guys are listening to this episode, he will not be anywhere near activated. But maybe in three episodes from now or two episodes from now, we will be singing a different tune. Well, let me just say something fast on that. I'm sorry. Um, I think he was supposed to throw actually either today, which is now Friday. So either um, Thursday or Friday. So, I mean, he might be back sooner than we expect. Yeah, I think we might even see that he only misses start. I'm guessing it's probably going to be two starts, but he said he didn't like have any pain anymore in the knee, but I'm going to assume at least two starts. But yeah, I think especially given the bad luck that the Yankees have had this season, they're going to be safer rather than sorry. Um, In other news, we have seen that Dylan Batances corresponding to Nestor Cortez being recalled to the 25 man roster has been transferred to the 60 day DL, which is not necessarily a surprise, nor is it something that will greatly hinder the progress of the Yankees. Uh, He was not really expected to be back before the end of this month anyway. I think it has been long expected that he will return in June, maybe even July. Uh, This was all but solidifying that fact. Um, Well, he's eligible off anyways, May 25th, 26th, because um, this 60 day counts as your first one. So... So like he was put on yeah. May 25th. So essentially this um, 60 days after that. So what? Yeah, it's, it's a retroactive March, assignment, but not May on um, 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 March. Um, he's eligible to come off it on. Yeah, I think he's eligible like what, May 25th, 24th. I don't know. Something like so, that. Yeah. Yeah. But still, I mean, he, um, um, he won't be back till June. So it doesn't affect anything at all this move it just yeah, in space and that that even like was per Dellen. i think i forget who asked him might have been I'm not really sure but somebody asked him do you think there's any chance we see you in the month of man he's like nah not really so Dellen, we won't see for a little while his return will be absolutely invaluable it's going to be like i mean we've pretty much gone without missing a beat really without Dellen. like we've seen a little bit of struggles early on from the bullpen but once we get him back and the difference between Dellen batansis and jake barrett and the bullpen will just be absolutely unfathomable. So his impact will be great. It will be likely a few weeks before the return of, uh, sorry, of Luis Severino, who is expected to be back around or after the all-star break. Um, I think they solidified the fact that he will not be returning before then. Oh, Jesus Christ. But um, otherwise we saw today that, a troubling, I guess, quote came out about the status of Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. I'm not necessarily surprised, nor is anyone that Aaron Judge is not given, has not been given a timetable. I mean, well, we haven't been given a timetable on Aaron Judge's return. I think that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be out forever. I think that's just them erring on the side of caution in yeah, that they completely botched his injury reports last year. And what was three weeks turned into seven or eight. So they don't want to have to deal with that again, especially given also what we've seen this year with guys getting pushed back. Like Aaron Hicks was supposed to be back for the second series of the year. And here we are in the middle of May and he's returning now. So I think the the Yankees are kind of learning from their own mistakes. They're self-correcting a little bit, which is nice. Um, they have a little bit of work to do in that regard. And that I think they mm-hmm. could, be a little bit better in their initial diagnoses of injuries and not just say, Oh, he's fine. And then come back the next day and say, just kidding. He's going to be out for six weeks. I think if they were more honest or just 
if they were completely like dismissive in, in the initial stages of injuries and I, they just said, we don't know, we're investigating, we'll get back to you. I think that would be much more beneficial to the PR aspect of the Yankees. But who am I to say that? Anyway, all that, that is the New York Yankees injury report with me, Andy at 27XWS Champs. Um, I'm here all week, but the Yankees are also here all week. They're headed down to Tampa. After that, that's a really good question where they go. I think they come back home. We head home for Baltimore. We come back home for Baltimore, a few games against them. So if we can take two out of three, at least from Tampa, put ourselves in the first place, coming back against Baltimore, that is place to be right here and going into labor labor day memorial day and they always say that memorial day is like you know that that's when you know if you're competing or not i feel like that's kind of like one of those unwritten rules it's like memorial day you can wear white pants and is your baseball team going to be competing come come september so get out those white pants and get out those playoff tickets and those wallets because the yankees are coming and once they get everybody back they are going to be full steam ahead choo-choo so thank you guys as always for tuning in sticking with us um the adversity that we have gone through as yankees fans this season of losing everybody's favorite player i think at one point to the dl has been it's been trying it's our efforts have been triumphant and we are all stronger for it and as much as it sucked while it happened we are slowly but surely getting everybody back and and we are gonna have a very fun summer i think i think we're gonna have a very fun summer so on that note i bid you all adieu thank you for tuning in like subscribe rate retweet fucking tweet at us uh um dms voicemails you know leave comments on your favorite podcast platform all that good stuff and as always vamos yankees go yankees 27 world series most in mlb most in sports good night everybody